This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer. It's the 243rd Merseyside derby this weekend and joining me today is Theo Squires. How are you Theo? Alright Joe, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm Paul Ghost, how are you? Yeah, drenched. Got caught in the drenched. rain before. But, yeah. um, and the traffic. Yeah, in good spirits, head of the derby. Yeah, Storm Babette mm. um, taking on. When you walk through the storm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that, well done. Yeah, well. Is that going to be your um, intro tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. yeah Liverpool <laughs> might have to get through a storm then. tomorrow with Sean Dyche at Anfield and, and Everton. So um, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, plenty to discuss, but we'll start with a bit of team news, a bit of injury news. Um, as expected, Gorsley, they're going to do it without Andy Robertson, um, who looks like he's going to be out for a little while in shoulder yeah. surgery after dislocating his shoulder on international duty for Scotland. Another reason why they should ban international football, but there you go. Um, yeah, tricky one for Liverpool, really, isn't it? I mean, I know Costas Simicas is a sort of good backup, but you know he's, he's one of your main players, isn't he? Out injured for such a, yeah. a, a length yeah. of time is is a really frustrating one for, for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, it's huge, huge body blow, isn't it, for Liverpool? You know, um, you're looking at it and you you kind of made peace with the fact that he wasn't going to be fit for the derby, especially when you seen him in the the shoulder sling. I think that was a picture from the from the mirror earlier this week. But getting the Gregs in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice that uh, do you reckon Mona Nema? Puts Greg's no, on the, um, I don't, I don't think that would be in the Melwood snack and, station yeah, now. Yeah. Um, he didn't need to worry about his player diet for a few weeks at least. Yeah. Well, that's it, yeah. 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 Bit, of, bit of comfort food. Yeah. But now you're facing up to the fact that he might not be available for maybe the rest of the year. Mm. Um, and then you're into January, right in the thick of it. He's going to come back after a lengthy layoff, whenever that's going to be. And it's just really disappointing news. You know, Liverpool have been okay so far with injuries. It's only early doors but they haven't had too many to worry about other than Thiago and, and Bichetic you know Thiago for me now is a little bit of a bonus whenever he is fit and Bichetic is still a young lad learning his trade who you can get by without so Liverpool have done okay but this is a huge blow yeah. to the to the uh, to the prospects Simicast does okay when he comes in here and there you know League Cup games Europa League games the mm. odd Premier League game off the bench or whatever it may be but now he's facing up to a spell where you know he's going to be Liverpool's Premier League left back for the next what ten games, twelve games, however long it is, uh, maybe even more. And we've never really had that from him, have we? So, it's sure I'd, I'd suggest it's probably the biggest test of his Liverpool career. You know, three and a half years in, or, or just over three years. Um, but at a time when Liverpool are, are defended differently as well, because we know that the way that they play with the right-back situation and moving into midfield, that back three then has to kind of shuffle over and shift and become a centre-back almost, as well as a kind of attacking left-back who looks to get crosses in. So it's going to be a big test for him um, long-term. I'm not too concerned about tomorrow, if I'm honest, because I think he's good enough to come into the Liverpool team against you know a team who are in decent form, but they're not one of the top teams in the division, are they, with, with the greatest of respect to Everton? So um, it's a big opportunity for him, but it's also a big test. So I guess it's up to him how he, how he handles it. The, the worry is with the Europa League games coming up and the Carabao Cup game at Brentford, you know, he's going to have to have a rest. So where do Liverpool go then? Is it going to be Joe Gomez, Luke Chambers maybe, even Cam, Callum Scanlon, who was training with the first team this week. Um, so plenty of um, discussion to be had around left-back. Does this shine a light, Theo, on 
Essentially, you know, we know Liverpool wanted a left-sided centre-half, maybe someone who could have operated at left-back. I mean, look, I'm just plucking the name out, but Mickey van der Ven was, was linked all summer. You could potentially have put him there, he could have come into the, the three. He'd have been a, quite a pacey option mm. on his left foot. Does it shine a light on potentially a mistake Liverpool made this summer, not getting that, that player in? It's debatable, but if Liverpool had signed Mickey van der Ven, that's £43 million on a player that isn't necessarily going to start. Like He wouldn't have been... First choice at centre back, like he is at Tottenham. But isn't that sorry? But isn't that just the going rate, though? I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. kind of I'm saying it's the going rate, but it's a lot of money for, lot of for Liverpool to spend on a player who wouldn't have been the starting eleven. When you think Andy Robertson's missed so few games, mm-hmm. you've already got a left back there in Simakas. It's only when you've got that injury, thinking, oh, we should have had someone else. It's like, well, how many options is enough in each position? Like, there is still the argument that they should have signed another centre back who could do this job. Because, like, as Gorsty's just touched on, Simicass's role, can he do this yeah. more defensive side? Because, like, he's a very good attacking fullback. His crossing is superb. Like, when he is in the team, he gets assists. Yeah. But there's always those question marks about him defensively, about his physicality. Like, yeah. he, he doesn't give up trying to win balls back, but he, he just seems to be a bit suspect. He falls yeah. asleep at times. And that's a bit harsh of him, because at the same time, you need a run of games to really show your yeah. credentials. Yeah. And I think the longest run he's ever had in the team, Premier League-wise, is three games. Yeah. And that was last year when Robertson was having a couple of injuries around the derby at Goodison, yeah. the Arsenal game when it seemed yeah. everyone came off injured. Before that, it was only two games in a row here and there where Robertson had done his ankle at the start of the 2021-22 season. Yeah. And then when he got sent off against Tottenham mm-hmm. later in that same year. So you need Simicast to come in and show that he can step up that run of games you'll see really see yeah. the best of him but it's still question marks over his role in that side because if Liverpool stick with this formation he needs to be more defensively inclined when they've had him in that setup before in pre-season he was the inverted fullback it was to complement Joe Gomez on the other side so it is like learning on the job here and while there's still options there like Joe Gomez would be an option there's a couple of talented youngsters as Gorsty's mentioned you scrape in the barrel, but then how many sides really have three, four quality options there who can be in those positions? See, I would argue the best sides do, and I do think if they'd have bought that left-sided centre-half, then all right, it does seem like they have a lot of options, but the idea is that person would maybe eventually succeed Van Dijk, and maybe Liverpool's argument would be, well, go and find me that player, it's quite tough. But then... That's down to preparation again, isn't it? And on top of that, then they could come in and play these games. I think it's interesting. I think Everton will certainly target that position tomorrow. Uh, another name sort of hinted at through Klopp's press conference a couple of times, obviously you mentioned Scanlon, but Luke Chambers definitely seems to be somebody that Liverpool rate very highly. Um, what have you seen of him, Gorsley? Is he, is, he, is he somebody that you think could, could challenge for that position? Yeah, I haven't seen much of him this season, but seen quite a fair bit of him last season and he's um, what type of fullback is he? See he is someone who you could potentially see playing as, as a third centre back on the on the left mm-hmm. left side. He's not he's not like a, a whippet of a of a fullback who gets up and down. He, he's um, he's very technically good on the ball and is capable of kind of operating in between that left side mm-hmm. of centre back and a fullback as well. So I think think you know I'd like to see him in the Europa League, you know, Liverpool got it all done and dusted quite handy, which you'd expect them to. You know, save to be to lose, you know, for for the remaining three games, you'd possibly yeah. look to see what Chambers could do. Um, It'd be in, a shame to lose, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, I was thinking yeah, that, but yeah. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're not going to say it at all. I've ruined that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Start but again. That, but, you know, we, we fully expect Liverpool and we not to have too many problems in, the, in this Europa League group, so maybe... 
he could be someone who, who could get a little run out and see what he's all about because I think Klopp said that himself today you know Simakas isn't going to be playing he's not going to be able to play every single game now that mm-hmm. Robertson's out so the people are going to have to look inward um, I've seen even less of, of Scanlon but I know he's someone who's thought of very highly and was taken on the pre-season tour wasn't he and did himself no harm yeah. at all you know from his appearances there um, someone who, who I think has surprised people by his ability to play a little bit further forward I wouldn't suggest that he'd be doing that in the Liverpool first team but I think at a certain age he's a bit more malleable tactically and, mm-hmm. and versatile so Liverpool do have players in there but um, I think we'd be um, dressing her up to paint it in anything other than a massive Disappointment that Robertson's going to be out now for um, an extended period. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's an interesting one with Scanlon because obviously they brought him in from Birmingham City a couple of years ago, and normally when they get these players from other clubs, you know to keep an eye on them. Like if they've signed this player, they think they're going to go all the way to touch the first team, as opposed to it's a bit different when they're coming through your own ranks yeah. from the very beginning. But when we have seen him either in the Football League trophy or in pre-season, he was predominantly playing further forward just because of the players they had at the disposal when they're making all those changes. Whereas at least we've seen Chambers in that first team picture in the more defensive role. Yeah. I remember, was it the mid-season games Euro? He was like coming in at centre-back, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, a bit I think he played in, against Milan and, and Leon in the, in the Dubai friendlies. And yeah. then he's still a young lad. And How old was he? 18? Yeah, he's like, he's, and he's just come through, isn't he? In he, terms he of yeah, he wasn't long 16, I think, when he signed him. Yeah. <coughs> okay. But then, like Chambers, he has got that versatility. Um, and he has come on leaps and bounds. Like He was being linked with Bayer Leverkusen on loan in the summer I think he was linked with a couple of championship sides as well and they were sides that tend to have the, the three at the back or those mm-hmm. wing backs and you think well he's a player who could be your wing back or could be your third centre back but then it would be a huge ask to just put him in your team he's, he's had a good yeah, loan spell yeah. didn't he in Scotland last year so maybe it is a chance where he could make that step we've seen Quantzer do it after playing for Bristol mm-hmm. Rovers last year Connor Bradley seems to be on the verge of doing it as well yeah. before his back injury but it's still when he has had a, lot, a few injuries already this season, a big ask if you had to turn to him beyond Europa League, League Cup. Yeah. So yeah. A lot yeah. of pressure on Simicassi's shoulders to just stay fit. Oh, certainly, certainly. In terms of Everton, uh, Klopp was very complimentary to a side that, I mean, look, they, they've had their struggles, haven't they, last season? Some of the stats, um, certainly their XG stats, would, would suggest that slightly better than where they've been this season. But, um, Gorthy, does anything concern you about them? Where do you think... Where do you think they will come and attack Liverpool? Well, I think I think they're going to be a slightly different prospect to the team that showed up in February. Dyche had long taken over, Addy, and I think he played Ellis Sims up front that night, and, and you know there was oceans of space between yeah. him and, and the nearest yeah. Everton player to him on that night. And I think Van Dyke was at Matt up that night at the, at the slippers on. In fairness, you know Calvert Lewin has got himself fit, so he's going to be up there with Ducore playing off him, which is how they've tended to go about yeah. playing away from home this season. And it seems to be. You know, he seems to have stumbled on something at the moment. He, he struggled to begin with, didn't he? He obviously got beat by Fulham and then was it Wolves and yeah, made it a really, yeah, Luton a couple of weeks back. Really yeah. poor start of the season, but I've slowly got a foothold on things and we're really good at Brentford mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back. Um, and I think I think Klopp hit the nail on the head, really, with the likes of Harrison and McNeil, potentially in the wide areas. They'll look to soak up the possession and trying at Liverpool in the transitions and, and on the counter-attack and with Calvert-Lewin making things stick. There's certainly going to be a bit more of a threat than they were you know, last season, but I don't know whether, I, you know, as, as the kind of weeks wore on that I've started to believe that Everton are a, are a serious threat to that Anfield record. 
on Monday I was thinking, well, a derby's a derby, but Liverpool are great against Everton and it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Mm-hmm. As the weeks worked on, wore on, I'm starting to talk up Everton in my own, in my own <laughs> head and I don't know whether the listeners of Klopp has made them a bit more of a threat in, in my own mind. But Can you imagine how unbearable Sunday's going to be if uh, Everton win this derby? Well, yeah, for, for certain Everton <laughs> supporters who, who yeah. we know. But, um, yeah, I think certainly more of a threat than, than they were last season, but you're still expecting Liverpool to be stronger home and... Um, you know, it'd be a, um, a massive shame if they don't win. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of them in my mind, Theo, that whenever Liverpool have, have turned over Everton quite handily and thinking of Anfield 4 nils, um, some of the games away from home, you know, the 4 1 at Goodison, it tends to be, I suppose that was under Rafa, but there was a, a time when Everton were really falling to pieces. It tends to be against managers who, Marco Silva, the 5 2 at home, uh, Roberto Martinez with two 4 nils, against managers who We've tried to develop Everton as more of a football team, but I always think I'm prime for a slog when it's a dash, yeah, yeah. when it's a Moyes, when it's the type of manager who sort of buys into to the dogs of war style mentality. And that, that's how I, I think Everton will come tomorrow. I think they will make it really, really difficult. Well, Dash has got some good results there, hasn't he, with Burnley yeah. in the past, yeah. like a couple of draws. Yeah. One in the pandemic year as well, didn't he? Yeah. Well, it was Burnley who ended yeah. the first yeah. run, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So, I remember a 1-1 at home early on in one season. Um, it was quite a slog as well but sorry go on but yeah you always know it's going to be that much of a challenge looking at what Everton are good at this year they've got these strong wide players who can get balls in the box and they've got the the target man in Calvert-Lewin or Beto and Takure can play off him but they don't necessarily have the pace or like players that are gifted at running at you and really scaring your fullbacks and this is where we've seen Liverpool struggle at times this season I know Alexander-Arnold did so well against Matoma against Brighton but you think of Neto in the Wolves game and other wings these at Bournemouth as well that was one that was a challenge so you think well, they don't necessarily have that pace and ability to get in behind Liverpool so they're going to have to be a bit different with how they set up they are going to have to start quickly and force errors and then still just make those transitions work for them but you think Liverpool when they know what to expect they've got the crowd behind them yeah. uh, they've had a, a couple of results where they haven't won recently when they've had the extra day training after the international break you just like to think it's going to be business as usual. Merseyside derby, Anfield, Liverpool could put three or four goals past them, but you need to start well for that. Like, there's always that doubt, that seed in the back of your mind that it could be the time the record comes unstuck, and if there's ever going to be a manager to do it, I feel like Dyche could be that one. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, with it being Dyche, just thought we'd quickly cover him and Jürgen don't always get on um, the best, do they? I always remember chasing him down the tunnel yeah, yeah. on one occasion um, I mean just seeing Daesh more closely since he's come to Everton he's, he's quite a sarcastic so and so so I think I think um, I can understand why they why they might clash a bit um, can you remember any anything that sticks out for you Gorsty between the two of them yeah I mean but his Burnley team was always held up as this kind of bogey team of Liverpool weren't they and I think a lot of that stemmed from one win that they got in August 2016 was it? Yeah when Liverpool had about 85 shots and, yeah. and 98% possession and still lost 2-0 yeah, so Like Clavin and Moreno in defence Yeah yeah, it was that one wasn't it the early season in the, in the, uh, the old toxic thunder kit but generally Liverpool yeah. have found a way to work out Burnley's or Dyche's Burnley's system apart from that one off win in January 2021 was it when Liverpool were in a massive tailspin it's like a late penalty as well, so it's not. Yeah, it was actually Barnes. I think um, it felt quite different that game. I, don't, I, I never look at those pandemic. Yeah, I, I, run at Anfield. I, I, 
you know, I mean, it's, lots easy, going it's on. easy to say, but yeah. I, I write off that entire season. You know, yeah. there wasn't yeah. any fans there. It was just total nonsense. But except for Alison Heather. Yeah, apart from that. Yeah. But and Matt um, Phillips turning into Cannavaro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, winning at Old Trafford. I mean, just write off the ones we don't like. Yeah, write off yeah. the ones we lost. Yeah. I'll say yeah. we Liverpool lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, and and Klopp is has got the potential for for uh, fireworks, hasn't it? Particularly when they are in charge of local rivals. Um, but I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of either of them, really. Um, <laughs> having been on the wrong side of, of Jürgen a couple of times, um, don't You're like about it. about the same height as him, are you? Got he's, he's taller than me, but he's still... He's probably got the know, reach. Ferocious. Yeah. Ferocious. Ferocity that I haven't got. Um, yeah. And Daesh, I imagine Joe Thomas would be better, better equipped to tell you that you wouldn't fancy dressing down off him either. So, yeah. Um, yeah. He likes Chris Beasley, though, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, because he's turned up in a suit a couple of times earlier, yeah, so yeah. he's made an impact yeah. on him. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, potential for fireworks there. But um, I think Liverpool just don't, if they don't let that kind of side of the game get to them, I think they've got enough quality to see Everton off without too many problems. Well, let's talk fireworks. So let's talk. I'm going to put you on spot here a little bit because we discussed this before the pod, but I've changed it in my own mind. So a good host mixes it up, gives you top three, and don't steal my one because you know what my one is. Do don't I? You steal it either. I don't know Do what yours is. Gives you top three derby moments. Um, oh, I don't, we can't have, yeah, there Rigi. we go. Yeah. We can't have we can't have dead space. Mane moments or games? moments moments. I like moments because I think games we we all know what sticks yeah. out, but moments. Yeah. Can provide something different, maybe something you've seen that others haven't. Alison falling on the ball. Oh, Alison falling on the ball one. was brilliant, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, the Origi, everything about the Origi thing was just hysterical. But I think I went for one this morning, didn't I? The mm. Liverpool fans were singing for Rafa Benitez yeah. at Goodison Park, and Liverpool went on to win four-one. And it was kind of half ironic, half with a little, still a little twinge of admiration for him, and it was just a bit. Surreal, the Liverpool fans singing about the Everton manager's name in the away end of Goodison, um, and the people sensational that night. And I've always, always, always think of that derby as like one of the best ones at Goodison because they absolutely batter them. Yeah, yeah. Theo, same question to you. I'm going to go for a few slightly older ones. Like Carol at Wembley. Carol, yeah, FA Cup semi final. It was incredible. That's yeah, got incredible. to be one. Yeah. Uh, there's a few around like Rafa's time with Liverpool. Like Cout's last minute winner at Goodison, mm. when like, that was the one where Gerard was got subbed off and he was fuming. Yeah, but it was yeah, Lucas who came yeah, on and yeah, won the yeah, penalty. Yeah. Um, I like, was it Phil well, Neville it was the, scored the, the, the Clattenberg game, which yeah. is quite famous. Phil Neville got a couple of own goals, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that, that that Neville, that was in the 08 derby, wasn't yes. it? When they had 08s. Yeah, and that Neville own goal, sorry to nick you all. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was brilliant because Gerard sending off was celebrated like a goal. And then for ne- Neville just rose and bang. I Such a good Diverting that one into his net was, was was a good one. But go on, sorry. But the other goals in that game were incredible. Yeah. Like, was it Harry Jewell and Garcia? Like just yeah. from outside the box, chipping the keeper. Liverpool, yeah. yeah. like, as good as record as Klopp has, Benitez's was right up there as well. He's yeah, yeah. getting so many iconic wins there. They all just merge into one. Do you remember the 2-1 at Anfield when Morientes hit that shot? Yeah. yeah. And people forget the shot. Tim Alden, like scrambling. Yeah, Alden? yeah. And, and Garcia Garcia. followed it in, didn't it? But that was one of the almost one of those like greatest non-goals that, that yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. managed to score from. But the, that shot was incredible. I mean, I've, I've sort of done myself here because I've been thinking of my one, but didn't think of three. But um, the Lucas shot um, in the 4-0. Um, yeah. at Anfield I just I love that moment from Derby's because again that, that was at a time when obviously Klopp hadn't been there long Liverpool were really good that day sort of took Everton apart 
it was it was like a, a sort of preview of what could come under Klopp and there was sort of like again a bounce about Anfield and, and just Klopp's reaction on the touchline and, yeah. and because I've not imagine, imagine most managers would be like oh no I've got to pretend I'm serious here yeah, and, you know yeah. well, what are you doing that for but yeah. he was just laughing his head off yeah. falling and, the look, I remember Lucas laughing as well and it was almost how often do you get yourself into a position in a derby where everyone can have a buzz about someone having a shot yeah. that, that was badly hit um, other ones I mean Fowler doing the uh, the celebration, the, the controversial celebration. Controversial celebration yeah. was good, yeah. Suarez's celebration. Yeah, Suarez's yeah. dive. Um, storage, um, storage at Anfield was, was great, 4 0. Gerard's header. Um, Gerard's hat trick. Yeah. Gerard's hat trick. This yeah, is just yeah. every single Merseyside derby in front of fans for the last 20 yeah. years. No, Liverpool yeah. fans have been spoiled, haven't they, with, yeah. with what, what they've got against Everton? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Like who was saying to Saints Theo on the way to the press conference, it's. So obviously means a lot to us as yeah. people who cover Liverpool and, and the city and the fans and whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think the rest of the country are looking at this derby and thinking, "Oh, this was a big one." Like, let's get a bit feisty yeah, in that. But yeah. the the record's just so lopsided. You know, it's it's unbelievable. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, it's funny because I was reading. Um, we did like a pundit's prediction roundup piece. And um, there was various different ones, and Tim Sherwood at the end, and Tim Sherwood just sort of said, you know, I know it's a derby, but I think all this stuff about derbies and, and form going out the window is nonsense. If this was any other football game, no one would be predicting anything yeah. but a Liverpool win, and that's what I predict. And I Might just the don't most sensible thing he's ever said. Well, but, but I, I don't. Obviously, the results say that he's right, but there's a little part of me that thinks it's more the experience of a derby. It's more the sort of, there's a little bit of anxiety going in. They never, you know, th- those big wins were, were great, but a lot of derbies, people forget, they're not attractive games, no. they're not exciting, no. they're not fun. The 2-0 last year, I think of as like a great game. The, the year before was also 2-0, wasn't it? At Anfield, yeah. I remember that was a Sunday and it was just a slog until they finally made the breakthrough. So it, a lot of games, a lot of, of derby games feel like a bit of a slog. Yeah. And it's yeah. that feeling that I think that, they're not, they're, not, they're not enjoyable. You know, no. they're, they're just there to be enjoyed. And then if you win... You enjoy the result. Yeah. yeah. But that's why the Lucas moment I liked. Because it's very rare that you enjoy yeah. something yeah. within a derby. Um, I think that's why people yeah. loved like, the Origi goal so yeah. much. It's because it was so bizarre. It yeah. wasn't so much... Obviously, it's it's great that Liverpool have won. And yeah. the sports are celebrating that. But it's almost the manner of it. Like, yeah. How many more different ways have Liverpool got in them to, to beat Everton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um... Well, if they get through this one, and if they can win, they have a favourable run of games, Theo. I mean, we, Gorsi and I were talking about it before. You're looking, aren't you, towards the next international break, thinking, obviously, crazy VAR events or injuries aside, Liverpool should be looking now, shouldn't they, to try and at least, if not top the table, at least be very, very close going into the next international break. You'd like to think you get maximum points from this run. If it was on paper, they do. If they win the derby, then you're certainly thinking that, aren't you? It's like... Earlier in the season, you might look at Luton a bit more anxiously, thinking, oh, they're going to be up for it, mm-hmm. big test coming. But when you're October, November time, it's up, you're settled now. You know you're going yeah. down. Liverpool <laughs> so you know you're going down, Luton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just accept it. Yeah. So Brentford, Nottingham Forest. It's not like Liverpool last year, where every home game for that winter spell into spring felt like a struggle. Like mm-hmm. You'd fall behind early on. You need to really grind it out to get that result. So um, you'd like to think it's going to be maximum points, and if you're maximum points, even unbeaten, yeah. 
then you go into Man City after the international break, you're surely going to be top two. Arsenal and Spurs have got a much tougher run coming up. They're going to drop points. Probably expect City to be top. Like they just seem to be that much stronger than everyone, despite the fact they've just lost a couple of games. Yeah. Just stay in the conversation and you can be happy. That's the important thing, isn't it? You know, I, I think, I think winning things and, and and getting into good positions in the league, like Spurs now, it's about creating a momentum. Yeah. And Liverpool have yeah. got an opportunity to do that. And and once people start talking about you, you can tell the players believe it. And and if they can get into the next international break in the conversation. That's massive, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? That you can't win the league, but you can lose it, you know, mm. this early on. Mm. And just the, it's just about staying in touch. I think if you'd have offered Klopp going into the October international break to be just a point behind Man City, he'd have snatched your hand off and probably mm. would have assumed that he'd be second in the league. Uh, the fact that they're sitting quite handily inside the top four, having played Tottenham, Newcastle, Brighton and Chelsea all the way from home, mm. And even the home games, you know, West Ham and Villa aren't gimmies, are they? You know, they're kind of in that low, like second bracket, you know, in the they're Premier two of the stronger teams this season in terms yeah. of how they're performing. Like, it's above yeah. expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So, Liverpool yeah. um, have had a difficult run, and the fact that they've done <coughs> so well mm-hmm. bodes well, I think, particularly with the new players settling in and, you know, the, the crazy red cards that have gone oh. against them. You know, Liverpool, they've had eight red cards since January 2019, and four of them came between yeah. August and September. So, you know, you'd imagine that will subside. Maybe they'll get the likes of Thiago back and Stefan Bichetic, you know, we know about Robertson. But other than that, Liverpool have got a decent bit of health. Um, and with the games coming up, you know, like we mentioned there, Luton and, and Forest at home and Brentford at home and Everton at home, you know, you've got to take full advantage heading into that November break and then you're looking at that City game as, as a massive one. And I think... Um, Liverpool have, have got it in them now to really just put everything that's gone before them to the back burner, all the Tottenham stuff and all the VAR questions and the red cards and all that. Just kind of forget about that now and just think about yeah. the next four games in the in the next few weeks. And I think um, they're good enough to um, to be around the top when that comes around. Yeah. It's like the last couple of years where it hasn't gone for them, where they've had injuries, where they've, well, we can throw the red cards in now, that's when they've been dropping down the table and you think, where on earth are they going to finish this season? It's going to be a slog. But to still be in the top four when you're having the red cards, yeah. where you're now having those couple of injuries where you've not exactly started well, but you've still mm-hmm. found a way to win and get the points, it shows that there is that mentality's back, that fighting yeah. spirit's back. Yeah. They're in so much stronger position than they were this time last year. Yeah. We know historically as well, the last five years, the last sort of two, three months of the season, they've probably been excellent, haven't they? Yeah. You know, almost annually. Mm. So... Do you know what that takes if they're still in contention in a few yeah. months' time? So it's just about, I suppose. I mean, you know, we're not managers or anything like that, but maybe just approaching it in the in the little four game blocks. Yeah. And then once, um, I said after the November break, then we're really into the thick of it until Christmas. It's quite, it sounds like quite a lazy thing to say, but I always see people say, you know, you beat the dross, don't you? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I suppose <laughs> see people say that, but it, it just means those those home games. That's where you see teams like Man City. They just don't yeah. tend to drop points. They just, even when they're struggling, they tend to find ways of beating the likes of Nottingham Forest. And you know, you've seen United struggle there this season. That's where I think Liverpool just need they need to go into this run of games, be professional. And you know, if it's one nil, two nil, it doesn't have to be flashy. You just win those games and get out of them. And that's going to be so important. Let's um, let's pick our teams uh, for this game. Um, they I'll let you start with the, the tough one in goal, Alison. <laughs> but yeah, you're back for. Um, Are we doing who I think it should be or who I want it to be? Uh, do it who you want it. It's your team. Yeah, it's My your team. team. Yeah, okay. it's your team. 
Trent at right back. Canate yeah. is back in at centre back. Yeah. Uh, Van Dijk partners him. I'd go Joe Gomez Would you? at left back. Like he, he's got the pace, and <coughs> we're still not quite sure how this formation is going to fully work when mm-hmm. they're all gelled in, when everyone's up to it. It feels like when you wanted that left-sided centre-back, Gomez could be that answer. He's a bit more defensively inclined. He mm-hmm. offers that pace, and, and it could get more out of Alexander-Arnold on the opposing flank, whether he's pushed into midfield or not. Now, I expect it to be Simigas. We all expect it to be Simigas. But when you've got Joe Gomez, who's started the season so well, he's got an argument for it yeah. as well. Yeah, I can see a point for that. He hasn't played left back as he since his first few weeks at Liverpool, way back in. He's had like the odd substitute. Of his, it was 20, twenty fifteen. Uh, but there is an argument to be made the way Liverpool play now that he, he could slot in there. But still expecting Simakash to start and Trent and the Canate one. Yes, just about just about over Matip who hasn't really done much wrong. I think I put Matip in. I just think this is going to be a. Dice dirty tricks mm. type of game and Calvert Lewin's yeah. gonna gonna pull on to whoever yeah. isn't Van Dijk, isn't yeah. he? And try and get some change yeah. out of him. Yeah, and, and and I've just been impressed with Matip sort of he's just been the experienced guy in defence, hasn't he, so far this season. He's done well in that sense. And I just think he might do well in this one against Everton. Um but I mean it's a toss up really, isn't it? Canate's been an excellent when he's played. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Midfield, um, how are you going with that? Of course, they'll let you go first on this this one. Yeah, I mean, you, you, there could be an argument for for Endo, but Theo mentioned on the way back that he's played in Japan, whereas he played in Germany in the last mm. international break, and I think that could make a big difference, really. Liverpool um, have made. When did he get back, Endo? Then not he'd sure. have been better situation the South Americans because obviously they're ahead. Yeah. So their game here was like. Tuesday morning yeah. so he'd have got back in good time but yeah. it's still a long travel yeah, jet yeah, lag yeah. and everything yeah. and he's not played much football has yeah. he yeah. but uh, Liverpool kind of went above and beyond they need to organise things a little mm. bit better than they did the previous international break so the fact that McAllister's trained this week is a big plus for me I'm still not 100% sold on him as, as a number 6 mm. for the long term but I think um, I'd be putting him in on, on Saturday with Jones suspended his knees. About his lives are pretty much a shoe in now, yeah. isn't he? A given. And then the other one, maybe go and grab him back over um, Elliot. Mm. This yeah. is where you can fall into the trap of overthinking it, thinking, oh, maybe put Elliot in just because he's played in derbies before. But I'll probably go with the, the same trio as Gorsty there. I, again, with McAllister, I'm not 100% sold on him as this deeper option. But it would be a huge ask to put Endo in for what second Premier League start. Just you go and have yeah. a, that first taste of it. At least he's got that rhythm in the position now. Supposedly non-star, he always plays now. And Gavin Birch has done well in glimpses. It, it's a big test for him, but he's still a physical midfielder, and we know it's going to be a big midfield battle. You'd fancy him to fancy his chances in that. Yeah, I mean, Japan travel. There's maybe think a little bit about it, but I, I would probably be tempted to throw Endo in now. I think, I think the time has come where we either know whether he sinks or swims, and yeah. and this, this is a real test. But it's a test that Liverpool, that uh, the, the odds are in their favour. They're at home. I like, I sort of like his style of midfield. I don't know whether he's quite ready for the pace, but I like the way he tries to pass the ball, and um, and I think as well for my worry for McAllister is the longer he plays in that position and the more teams target and the, and the more he struggles, whether that could have a knock-on effect in terms of his confidence. And, and I'd like to get him back out onto that left-hand side. So personally, I, I think the balance looks a bit better with Endo, McAllister, and then 
place, I suppose, lies a shoe in. It does feel like um, the sort of game where Endo, if he did start, could make himself a firm fan favourite. You could yeah. have like that Robertson and Man City moment where, oh, this is what yeah. we've signed. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Tackling, win yeah. the ball, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and the cop's going to react to that, and yeah. then that could be a bit of a lift off moment for him. Yeah. I, I agree with you in terms of him on the ball. He does look neat and tidy. Yeah. The issue is he looks like he wants an extra second to do it. Yeah, which that, is, that's, that's it, isn't it? It's whether he can turn that, yeah. that he can settle in and get used to the pace, and that extra second goes. Or, you know, for some players it doesn't. For Fabinho, it was noticeable. And then it was gone, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was around yeah. this time, wasn't it? Maybe maybe slightly later into November. But I remember, was it was it Napoli away in the Champions League when I remember thinking, oh, you know, like, Fabinho struggled there or it might have been Paris. I, I remember there was a couple of games early doors that you thought, he's just not quite with the pace mm. that Liverpool needs to play at. And then it clicked. And I'm just hoping for Endo, this could be a game in which it could click or certainly help him. Um, but... I mean, again, it's a toss-up, isn't it? Forward line, um, fair few back available. Go on, Theo, you start, you kick that off. Uh, Salah, Nunes, I think the sort of atmosphere he'd love, wouldn't it, the chaos? Doesn't it? I mean, uh, let, pick, pick your team before I make a point. And then, uh, you're probably going to have to go Jota, because you're going to be a bit anxious putting both South Americans in when they've mm. had the travels. And mm. I think Gakpo's only trained once, so it'd be a big ask to put him yeah. straight in. Um yeah, that's probably the trio to go for. Other like Jota down the middle, he doesn't seem to have that same impact this year as Nunes does. Mm-hmm. And when we know what derbies are like, yes, Nunes yeah. could lose his head, but then he could also be the player that everything goes through, everything goes around, and he's the yeah. star of the derby. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was not expecting Gakpo to play. I think he, he will train today, and that'll put him in contention. But put him on the bench. The, the big question is Nunes or Jota. Fancy both of them, to be honest, you know, in different ways. But I'm going to go with Nunes and, and Diaz on the left and uh, obviously Mo on the, on the right. See, that would be my three. I don't even understand why anyone is having a debate about Nunes at the moment. I mean, it's just put Brazil, mm. the sword, in a result that, you know, Europe, the whole of Uruguay is absolutely buzzing yeah. with. Yeah. He's got a great header, got a, got a great assist. It just seems like he's a man in, in a moment and I just don't understand why you would take him out of the team. I do think Jota will start. I think he might, like Theo says, he might start ahead of, of Diaz so he doesn't put both South Americans, but I think you've got to get Nunes in there, Salah. Personally, I just prefer the balance with Diaz. I've never been a Jota from the start type of guy, mm. but then if you bring him on with 20 to go, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he, if he he nicks a goal. And that's he's not why had he's a good great. season so far, but yeah, he's got, what, four yeah, goals on yeah. his Salah scored more. But, but I think that about Jota almost all the time. I never watch him play and yeah. go... God, he was great Typical today. Typical Jota game. What, what did he do? Yeah. I can't remember, but he's yeah. got two. Yeah. Has he got a decent record against Everton, though? Or am I just thinking of that, that one game at Goodison where Rafa, we all sang about Rafa? Mm, pass. But, mm. yeah, I mean, it, it just... I mean, obviously, Gakpo got his first goal against Everton last year, didn't he? So, maybe maybe he would so that come in. Nunes is the only one... Oh, Diaz hasn't scored against him either. No. But the, so I, but I just like the, the makeup. I think Diaz... It's got that left hand Loads side. Loads of pace in that front three, yeah, if you're yeah. going with Diaz. Yeah, and then you've got Jota and Gakpo to come off the bench. I mean, you've, you've got all, all the options. Um, quick prediction? 3-1 Liverpool. Confident? Yeah, reasonably so. Is that Anfield? Yeah. No reason yeah. not to be. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd go along with that. I, th- I think Everton could nick one with the quality they've got in set pieces, Tarkovsky and, and Carvalhoon mm-hmm. in particular. But I think Defensive Liverpool uncertainty will be too, as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Liverpool will be too strong for them. Yeah, I think 2-1, okay. I think it, it will be a little bit a slog at times um, but, I, but I fancy Liverpool just to get through it and, and sort of try and kick start a decent run of games what, All the Royal Blue predictions? 
Um, I know them actually. Um, Joe Thomas went for one-one, diplomatic. Bees went for a one-nil defeat for Everton, so one-nil win for Liverpool. And Conor O'Neill went for a one-nil win for Everton. Um, so got all three in there. First one in front of fans this century. Yeah, yeah. I um, hope you've uh, taken off Conor off the rotor for Monday, just in case they do win. Well, yeah, I'll just take him off the road for good, if they do. <laughs> um, right, uh, before we go, I just want to say one more thing. Um, obviously, long-time listeners of the pod and readers of the Echo will remember Dan Kay, um, who sadly passed away earlier this year. On Sunday, um, the three of us, many other um, colleagues, plus former colleagues and friends of Dan, will be playing um, in a match at Jericho Lane um, in Dan's memory, um, and we'll be raising some money afterwards as well for... Um, for three charities uh, very close to Dan's heart, mind, and now for others who um, some people maybe remember from some of their work with Liverpool and Imagine If Trust. Um, if you follow any of us on social media, we've all tweeted the links at times, but there's a GoFundMe page. If you Google Dan Kay, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, if anyone wants to contribute and, and, and put some money in that fund, um, it will be going to a very good cause, and um, we hope um, we do Dan proud. Um, yeah, and we'll be back on Monday to talk the Merseyside derby. Um, Look how we've won that damn memorial game. Well, yeah, see if we've won that game, see if any of us managed more than 10 minutes, and um, <laughs> yeah, see whether the Reds won the derby. So, see you then. Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.